Hello and welcome to the Every Nation Twane Moikluf podcast. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message with us. This morning is my privilege to introduce to you a dear friend, somebody I've known for many, many years and that I'm deeply respecting. Um, Pastor Manny, Car- Manny, Manny Carlos, I mean, he's actually a prophet. He's been apostolically involved in the Philippines for many, many years, been preaching over 30 years. He's part of the Bishop Council of our Metro Manila Church, and they oversee about 100 churches. When I was in Manila, there's 145 services running on a weekend. 145 services on a weekend. And before COVID, they were close to 100,000 people just in Metro Manila. And uh, Pastor Manu has been involved in that from the beginning. Um, he's involved with the government. He's been discipling a lot of the senators, people that he's had moments with the president, even a previous pre- president. And uh, he's also part of our seminary, one of our teachers at the seminary, one of our, you know, um, lecturers at the seminary. And there's so much more we can say. But what I can say about this man, he loves Jesus. And if you've done the Spirit and Power course, he's been involved writing that. Okay, and it's our privilege to have Pastor Manny with us this morning to minister to us. Would you give him a warm welcome, Pastor Manny? All right. Thank you, Pastor Philip. It is really a thrill for me to be here with you this morning. Thank you, Pastor Philip, Renee, and the rest of the pastors for inviting me here. Um, I, I think our brothers were saying earlier that the reason I'm here in your beautiful country, South Africa, is because uh, we are participating in the World Conference. This is going to be in Cape Town starting Wednesday next week. So we're flying back to Cape Town, not flying to Cape Town, rather, um, tomorrow. But um, I wouldn't pass up the chance to be here with all of you upon Pastor Philip's invitation. I was reminded, uh, 2010, I did ask Renee, was when the World Cup uh, was hosted by your country South Africa uh, and uh, the world the women's world cup was just in New Zealand and um, in Australia like the other month last month and the Philippines for the first time participated in that world cup but as significant as that is for your country in 2010 2010 was also when the every nation go conference world conference was hosted in Manila, and I don't know, were you there already? Okay. And I don't know about if you know this, Pastor Philip, but our ministry was actually featured in the Guinness Book of World Records as participating in a conference where the most languages were sung in a particular song, and that song was Amazing Grace. So, I don't know, could, could we have a new Guinness Book of World Records here in Cape Town uh, this week? And it was, we sang Amazing Grace in 50 different languages, if you recall that. Um, you know, Darlene Jack was there. You know, Darlene, of course, is well known in the Hillsong world, and she's a godly woman, and she was there. So I'm just saying that even though we're here in this beautiful community, I just love it, meeting in an international school. What's amazing about your country is um, you're made up of many nations, if I could do that. Nations is ethnos in the scriptures. So it's a diverse group of people, and yet it is possible. You know, I'm I'm not that much aware of the 
changes and transitions happening in your own country, politically, economically. But this I know, in Christ, it is possible to be one, to be one, to be united, but yet diverse at the same time. And the implication of that, socially, economically, there's no telling what God can do and has done in your nation. So, um, I do have a message from the Lord. Pastor Philip asked me to share with you about how we can hear the voice of God. And that's so essential. But before that, I do want to say it was a treat yesterday uh, when uh, Pastor Jonathan and some of the other, uh, uh, some of your leaders took us. Uh, there's another pastor with me, Ferdi Kabiling, uh, also from the Philippines. Uh, we were treated to a safari uh, yesterday. Um, you know, I mean, the closest I've been to a safari was the night safari in Singapore. That's, that's nothing compared, okay? Well, I was in Zabula 2015, I think it was, or 2016. But this one was certainly, so it's, it's different from a zoo, right? You're not watching the animals. The animals are watching you. And by God's grace, we had four of the big five that we saw. So they said that's really a treat uh, for us, for four of these. I'm, I'm sure the tour guide had something to do with it, right? He knew where to go, all right? My point is, um, your nation is blessed because you, you see the, the animal life, the flora, the fauna. And um, you can appreciate it for, its, for nature and all that. But do you realize that the creation reflects the creator? When you look at scripture, and that's really what we want to do, right? The reason you're here is because we want to, know, we want to get to know God better. And God makes himself known to us through the scriptures. And much of the scripture, brothers and sisters, is metaphorical, isn't it? Many times God reveals himself through his creation. Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Well, that's significant, isn't it? Uh, you know, we, uh, you know God, we, we come under God under the shadow of his wings, speaking of an eagle. Uh, you know, we do have our share of animals, by the way, that are unique to the Philippines, I wish I'd shown the picture. I didn't have a chime. Uh, the, the tarsier, I don't know if you know the tarsier. It's the smallest primate in the world. It's only found in the Philippines and Southeast Asia. And if you look at it, just Google it, and you'll see it's like this is where they got the inspiration for Yoda, by the way, in the Star Wars uh, trilogy and all the... And also the, the largest eagle in the world is in the Philippines. It's called the monkey-eating eagle. It has a wingspan of about two meters. So, in other words, my point is... You know, when you say eagle swings, it talks about God's protective covering. So the more you, the more you appreciate what you have here, um, the more you realize God can reveal himself through, through, script, through nature, but more than that, through the, his truth in the word. I'm saying that because the text we're going to be looking at is something that, as I talked to Pastor Philip, is so common in your own environment, uh, and I'm, I'm going to read the text, and then you'll see where I'm coming from. But hopefully, we will have a greater knowledge and understanding of who God is and how he relates with you and me. And so, I'd like to read from the book of jo cha John, chapter 10. Okay, that wasn't part of the... Uh, that's how good your PowerPoint team is. They already... All right. Okay, thank you. Okay, John chapter 10, verse 1 to 5, 11 to 16. Well, you guys are good. 
Let me read it. This is Jesus speaking, addressing the Pharisees who were challenging him at that point. He says, It's truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because, um, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hard hand and not a shepherd, who does not know the, own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hard hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Father, we're grateful for the preaching and teaching of your word. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, through your word, through the scriptures, we get to know your great work of salvation in our lives. And so, Lord, may you reveal yourself to us in a greater measure by your Holy Spirit and by your name. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, uh, Jesus was being questioned by the Pharisees for a miracle that he had done to heal a blind man. And, uh, you know, of, of all reasons, they were questioning him because he was doing that miracle on a Sabbath. Now, that's another message in and of itself. But... Jesus, in response, reveals himself to the people in a way that um, they could understand. And, you know, the book of John has seven self-revelations, if you will. And if there's one thing I know about being a Christian, and it's, it's, in, it's, it's just phenomenal to me, isn't it? I come from another world, and you come from this part of the world. You know, I've had the chance to go to different nations, probably about 15 to 20. And yet I see a, a commonality in the desire of people, and God's desire more than the people, to, rev to make himself known to people. Do you realize, all of us want to know God, but on our own initiative, we will not know who God is because of sin. And you really, what, when you think of idolatry, it's a distorted view of who God is. That's man's attempt to try to, or the enemy's attempt to distort who God is. And so we will not know God unless God himself takes the initiative to make himself known to you. And that's the wonderful thing. God took the initiative already. So when he reveals himself, then we will know, okay, this is who God is. And here, I think it's pretty clear by now, one of the self-revelations of Christ is that he is a shepherd. Okay? So the converse of that is that he sees people as sheep. Now, as I said, Pastor Philip told me sheep is, are very common here. And so uh, I don't know if, you know, I guess we're all mostly urbanites. Um, and, and so unless you really grew up in a farm, you probably uh, can say some things. But it's only when you take the time to reflect on what they do and who they are, that's when you get to know who God is as he makes himself 
known to people. You know, Philippines is more of a goat country, okay, and a water, so, uh, you know, um, we're familiar with goats uh, in contrast to sheep. And I'll tell you what the main contrast uh, between these two particular animals. But if you look at Scripture, uh, there are many ways that leadership, so I'm, I'm talking about two applications, leadership, for us in leadership, and of course Christ as our leader, there are many ways that leadership is depicted in the Bible. You know, uh, uh, the, man, the Lord is a man of war. God's a warrior. Uh, the, the Lord is a mighty king. He's a king. The Lord is a, um, what else? There's, there's many metaphors. Uh, the Lord is our high priest. So there's many facets of leadership that can be shown to us in Scripture. And obviously, all of us are being equipped to be people of influence or leadership in every sphere of society. But... The most common, most often used metaphor for leadership in Scripture is that of a shepherd leader. That's my whole point. You know, think about it. Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac and Jacob were shepherds. Uh, David was a shepherd. Amos was a shepherd. Now, Jesus was a carpenter, but he calls himself the shepherd of the sheep. And then when he reinstated Peter and the disciples, he said, you're fishers of men. I'm going to make you shepherds of sheep. So... Why is it so important for us to get to know Jesus as shepherd? Well, it's because of the way Jesus sees people. He sees them as sheep without a shepherd. Now, I don't know about you, but that has to be some of the most humbling to, for Jesus to see as a sheep. Everybody say, bah. Okay. So, it's one of the most humbling ways that we can see ourselves, but one of the most comforting ways as well. And if there's one thing, so as I said, I didn't grow up with sheep, but I've, but I've interacted with enough. We actually have a pastor, a pastor from Japan, who grew up, uh, he's an American, big guy, Pastor um, Scott Dauma, and he grew up in Montana, and he would actually take lambs and get a milk bottle and feed the, the lambs. Isn't that neat, isn't it? He would you know, <laughs> suck milk like that. And there's one thing about sheep. If you don't already know this, this will bring home the point, okay? There's one thing about sheep that makes them perhaps why Jesus re refers to us as sheep. And it's this. They have no sense of direction. That's why their flocking instincts are so great. Now, I'm going to show you a short video, okay? This is my aha moment. To make the, the point, okay? So I don't know. I think this is in a, somewhere in Central Asia. Okay, there you go. Um, that's the message, right? No, that's half the message, okay? Sheep usually are in flocks, and when they're, thank you, okay? When they're feeding on the grass, you know what's interesting? Their nose is, their eyes and nose are on the grass, and they don't mind everything else that's happening. 
Okay, so I'm not talking about people, okay, I'm talking about sheep. But, and they, they keep munching on the grass, and then they look up, they don't realize the sheep, the flock has already moved forward. And before you know it, they're, they're separated from the pack. And what happens is because they have no sense of direction, they just keep wandering around until the wolf sees them and saying, hey, this is good lamb chops here. And they become vulnerable prey. That's what happens. And so, um, you know, I could tell more. But as I said, I believe you be, should be familiar to all of you. At least to, to that extent. And so, here Jesus is saying, left to themselves, they're, um, they go astray. That's why they need a shepherd. But here he uses shepherd in two Two applications. One is being in a sheep pen, okay, and being taken out to pasture. And so when Jesus revealed himself as the shepherd of the sheep, he, he reveals himself in two ways. Someone who leads the sheep and someone who speaks to the sheep. And what happens is, again, this is just born out of my readings, um, in biblical times, sheep were usually kept in a sheep pen. Uh, and, um, you know, not everybody had the wealth to be able to have their own sheep pen. So they usually kept them together in flocks. So about three or four shepherds, maybe three to 30 to 100 sheep each. So they're kept together, you know, to save space, rental space, uh, if you will. And so in the morning, what happens is the gates are open, so they're led to pasture. And the big question is, how do you make sure that the sheep don't get mixed, right? Because each belongs to a shepherd. Well, the amazing thing is um, when the gate opens, what the shepherd does is he begins to either sing a song or to call out the sheep by name. And like magic, the sheep begin to follow the three or four different shepherds according to their voice of the shepherd. So simple and yet so profound. It's the sheep. The safety and the well-being of the sheep is determined by their ability to recognize the voice of their shepherd. And so, the point is, um, a shepherd leads by, um, the shepherd's job rather is a leader because he knows the pastures and he leads by his voice. And the lesson is profound for you and me. Our well-being, our safety, our protection is determined by how, we, how confidently, if you will, we can recognize the voice of the shepherd. But you know what? The good news is this. Jesus takes the responsibility. If you are the sheep of Christ, if you're a Christ follower... Christ assures us by His Spirit that we can hear His voice. And as under-shepherds, uh, you know, those of us in a leadership role like this, and of course, uh, your pastors are, isn't that interesting? Pastors are shepherds, isn't it? But that shepherding role, under-shepherd role, Jesus is the chief shepherd. He says, there's one flock, and that's my trust. You know, you don't know me from anyone. I mean, we're friends with Pastor Philip. And my hope is that you don't hear the voice of a Filipino leader. You hear the voice of the shepherd through this Filipino dude 
that's speaking before you. And so our ability, our well-being is to the extent that we can recognize the voice of the shepherd and our ability to somehow make known that voice to the rest of the people we're reaching out to. And what I want to share with you for the remainder of this message is to help us discern what is God's voice like. And I'm going to point you to a scripture that is one of the most famous of all the scriptures. And I remember that when my father passed away. That was the scripture that we, were, we put on his tombstone. You know, I didn't hear my father confess he was Lord, but... I knew my mom was telling me that he was listening to at least the 700 Club. That was one of the things. I said, Lord, is my father saved? Is he in heaven? And, and apparently he was watching 700 Club a few months before. And so in the tombstone, we put Psalm 23. And that's what we're going to be looking at for the remainder of our message. And I trust that as you know this, as you reflect upon this Psalm that's so common then perhaps we will know God's voice in a greater way. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, you know, we, we didn't read any more the rest of the, the text, but... We know um, David, the beloved, composed this psalm. And um, we know his story. He was a young shepherd boy. Uh, before he confronted Goliath, he actually slew the lion and the bear, right, when they were trying to attack his sheep. And so we know that story. Then he becomes a fugitive. Then he becomes king. Um, and then he was a king who was successful. That's when Israel reached its, great, its highest heights as far as taking possession of God's promised land, but he fell into sin and he was a fugitive from his own son for a while. And this is not sure, there's, there's no, you know, we can have clues, but in all likelihood, I guess I'm saying that all to make this point, that he probably wrote this in the latter years of his life, after he had seen the ups and downs of his kingship. And I think that's a comforting thing. You know, I know some of you are younger, some of you are older, but here he says, this is how he knew who God was to him, a shepherd. And I want to share with you three qualities about the voice of God from this particular text. Now, it's not an explicit revelation of the voice of God, but we can infer, isn't it, from this text that this is probably what God's voice seems like, would be like. And number one is this, the voice of God, true truths. Number one, God's voice is restorative. When God speaks, it brings restoration to our souls. God leads us. What does it mean to lead? To lead is to go in front, very simply. The shepherd goes in front of the sheep. Um, uh, I, I heard the story of this, these tourists, American tourists who were in Israel and, uh, you know, modern Israel, okay? So, you know, as any tourist would do, you try to read up on the way of life of the people there. And so they happened to see these flock of sheep, a uh, flock of sheep 
uh, walking, and then there was a man, but the man wasn't in front. He was behind them, okay? And so uh, they took the opportunity just to ask, excuse me, sir, uh, you know, we're tourists, we're not from here. And we were just wondering because we read that shepherds usually go in front, but how come you're at the back? And the man very nonchalantly said, yes, that's true. Shepherds go in front of the sheep to lead the sheep. But you don't, uh, I hope you understand, I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. Okay, you'll get that, okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, the shepherd leads us to pasture. Come on, the butcher's going to, okay, make you lamb chops. Religion and legalism drive us, and it becomes burdensome. Jesus said his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Um, you know, Pastor Philip is in our seminary, and one of our favorite professors, Dave Ward, he was my dissertation coach in our doctoral studies. And he learned, I learned, I don't know if you ever heard him say this, Pastor Philip. He said the preaching, so this is really a, an admonition to us as preachers. He said the preaching of the word should promote grace-filled living, not works righteousness. Let me say that again. Preaching that's from God promotes grace-filled living, not works righteousness. Now, you know, I know there's a plethora of preachings that are out there on the internet, right? And so you can listen. And what God's word does is it imparts grace. That when you listen to the word, it's like, wow, I can live like this. Rather than simply imperatives and saying, you know, I, I have to do this more. I have to do that more. That's when it becomes burdensome. But when God's word, you hear God's word, it's restorative. It gives you a lift and saying, yes, I can go for it. Years ago, one of the, my favorite stories of how God's voice brings restoration um, was of this woman. He wasn't in our church then yet, but he ended up going to our church. You know, he was, she was a typical uh, family person, her, married to a husband. Her husband was working. She was taking care of her children. I think she had two small children at that time. One day, her husband goes to her and says, I'm seeing another woman. I'm leaving you. Goodbye. Just like that. So it's a shock to her. She doesn't have work. She's distraught from this turn of events. It, it's like she had no way of realizing this was coming. And so she tries to make a go for it. She tries to look for a job, couldn't find one. She became so heartbroken she decided she was going to end her life. And so, as she recounts, you know, I've heard her tell this story. She was by her kitchen and with her coffee mug and the poison she was going to put in the mug and mix it so that she could drink it after she drank her coffee. But as she was doing that, she just thought, why not just turn on the TV and watch TV? And as... God's grace would have it. 700 Club was showing. Is 700 Club was that shown here? No. 700 Club is a Christian broadcasting network um, show. Uh, it's popular in the Philippines. Pat Robertson, uh, he passed away recently, head of CBN, was the host of it. It's, it's a phenomenal show. It tells stories, news from a Christian perspective, and then it ministers to the people. And as always, he would, at the end of the prayer, at the end of the broadcast, he would spend some time praying and begin to move in words of knowledge. Words of knowledge are spiritual gifts. I, I think, Pastor Philip, you were praying that earlier. You were just 
calling out particular sicknesses. So, as usual, he would do that. So, whether it was Pat or one of his co-hosts, as they were praying, uh, either it was Pat or somebody else, begins to, to say something like this. And, now, and again, in all likelihood, it was probably pre-recorded. Okay, and that's important. It wasn't live, you know, U.S. show shown in the Philippines. And the, the, the story goes like this. He says, there's a woman out there, and you're about to end your life. Don't do it. And here she is, about, <laughs> about to drink her cup, man. And I think she's speaking to me. He's speaking to me. And so she holds off on what she was about to do, puts down the cup, calls the counseling hotline, and pours out her story. Long and short of it is the gospel was shared. She gives her life to the Lord, and she decides she's not going to end her life anymore. Hallelujah. Come on. God deserves praise for that. Amen. And so it's like, okay, Lord, I'm not going to I mean, what's going to happen to her two kids, right? I mean, she's, so she decides to, I guess she probably called again or ended up, you know, being connected to a church community. That's why she ended up with us. But obviously, she, she's still out of a job. And so she tries many things. She ends up doing something that because of corruption in the Philippines, and I know corruption is also present here, she became what's called a liaison officer where she would represent the clients to the municipal hall, the city hall, and be the one to facilitate the... Um, you know, the, the approval of papers. We know that because she worked for our office for a while, for our, ministry, our church office. So she was the one who would go to City Hall and, you know, whatever permits we needed. But she made a conviction that she's not going to bribe. I mean, it's easy to just bribe, right? So you can, because she felt like, uh, I, didn't want, I wanted to do what's right before God. And uh, if, you've, if you know about Luke chapter 18, the parable of the persistent widow, you know, she was probably like that to the city officials. She got tired. They got tired of her just going back. So she finally, they would give her the papers without any bribe. And so through that, I don't think she was making a lot of money. Through that, she was able to finish, uh, uh, let the kids finish college at least. So she was able single-handedly, by doing that kind of work, her kids graduated from college. What an amazing work of God's grace. Yeah. But that's not the end of the story, all right? Okay. Her daughter falls in love with an aspiring singer who happens to be the nephew of one of the top 40 billionaires in the country. Okay, they own one of the airlines in the Philippines. So I guess she gets married. And I'm not saying that, you know, that she inherited all that billions. All I'm saying is God's voice brought restoration and now... She's at least a little more relaxed and uh, because her, so now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you're, if you're God's voice, you hear God's voice, you're all going to end up marrying billionaires, okay? God's voice brings restoration. Number two, God's voice leads us to places of abundance. He says, you lead me beside green pastures. Lake, you lie down in green pastures to lead me beside still waters. When God's voice speaks to you and me, again, I, I'm giving you general principles, if you will, so that if you are seeking God about something, where, Lord, are you leading me? 
John 10, 10 says, Jesus comes to steal, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that I may have life and life, you may have life and life abundantly. Uh, in his book, The Leader as Shepherd, Blaine McCormick says this. Shepherd leaders are abundance creators. Especially in the nation Near East. And, and, and again, you have to remember these, the, the setting of the scriptures is ancient Near East. Israel, uh, yes, there's obviously green pasture. I mean, all of these places. But a lot of Israel is arid places. Uh, I don't think we can really identify with that. I mean, the Philippines received so much rain and precipitation. And I'm sure, you know, oh, you see all this lush greenery here. Sometimes you don't understand the, the dryness and the arid places of much of Israel. And yet the shepherd would go out of his way to hack out these whatever wooded areas or even dry places and look for green pastures for the sheep. And so when, when um, you know, and let me read the rest of his statement here. All too often, our lives become closed systems in which we perceive selectively and move defensively. So applying that in, in, our, in our life of faith, um, unfortunately, because of our own sin and of what the world has done in our lives, when we come to faith in Christ, we're not always at a place of safety, isn't it? We're very guarded. We're always, you know, are these people, can they be trustworthy? And uh, think about your own journey, isn't it? And it takes time for people to, uh, to, to, to gain the trust. And that was Pastor Philip's prayer earlier. You know, you can trust Christ as shepherd that he is after your, to, to put you in a place of well-being, if you will. And those who have shepherded us through life have given us more relationships, more places to travel, more resources, and more wisdom. And when I look back, you know, I've been a follower of Christ now for about 40 years and a pastor for 35 years. It's like, I never dreamed that I would be in places like these in South Africa and, you know, in, in, in America, in, in, in different places. And it's, I realize, you know, I appreciate my pastor, Pastor Steve Merle, and the other pastors of this movement, Pastor Jim Rice and so many others, that who have shepherded me and allowed me to experience the abundance of God. And so I'm in a place where perhaps I can also be a place minister to people. Now, I have one more story. I hope you like the stories, at least from where I come from. This time, um, this is about a businessman. How many people, how many of you own your own businesses? Can I see your hands? All right, good. A number of you. And, you know, the Word of God is relevant for every area of life. If you're an educator, a medical practitioner, a pastor, a business person in government, this person was a businessman in one of our northern provinces, and um, he was a fish pen owner. So he owned fish pens. Now, fish ponds are, are holes you dig up in the ground in the Philippines, and you breed fish there. Now, the famous fish in the Philippines is called milkfish, okay? Uh, they're they're kind of white, but they're, they're very delicious. I don't know if you've ever tasted them. It's very, uh, when you're in the Philippines, I'll make sure you eat milkfish, okay? Anyway... Um, but this, these are not grown in fish ponds, they're grown in fish pens. Meaning they're bamboo slats placed in the river and the fish are bred there. You know, they have nets and of course these bamboo slats. 
And the, 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 the fish are really kind of sweet because the, of the brackish waters. Brackish means the, 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 the saltiness and the fresh water, the salt and fresh water mixed. So it's, it's not technically salty, it's not technically fresh. I mean, yeah. And it's very conducive for the fish to be bred. So it's, it's a lucrative business except when there are storms, typhoons, which can cause the river to overflow. And unfortunately, when that happens, the fish escape. Anyway, they were in a, uh, one of their prayer meetings. This, again, this was some years ago. And when they were in a time of prayer, uh, in a small group, you know, small groups are good, right? It's good to have small groups. I think you have them, discipleship groups or care groups, whatever you call them, life groups, uh, because it becomes conducive for people to pray for one another. Now, he wasn't praying, he wasn't being prayed for, uh, he was just listening to the Spirit as they were praying. And the Spirit prompted him a very simple instruction, harvest your fish. Now, he was wondering because I guess it takes about, what, a couple of months, two to three months to, to breed the fish from small fish to big fish. And it was still probably about two to three weeks before the fish would really get to its, uh, grow to the maximum size. And he didn't mind it at first, but for some reason he kept, Having the impression, when I say impression, is that's how God speaks usually, isn't it? It's not like, hello. You know, it's, it's, it's a feeling, it's a sense. God speaks to us through the scripture, okay? Moses. You know. All right. God's usually, he speaks to our spirit and to our inner ear. And the prompting was, harvest your fish. After a while, he said, okay, Lord, I, it, it, the thought just kept recurring. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't a strong, harsh voice. It was simply an impression. Harvest your fish. Okay, Lord, I, I know I could make a little more money if I waited a couple of weeks. But in obedience, he harvested the fish. Well, with less than a week from the time he harvested the fish, a sudden storm hits that place. And unfortunately, the flood wall, I mean, the river did rise. And the rest of the owners of the fish pens lost their harvest of fish. But God spared him because he listened to the voice of God. Okay? Hallelujah. I think God wants you to know that. That he, he will guide you in your decisions, in your work, in your family. But, again, wait, there's more. When the waters receded, he looked into his fish pen and there was fish again. Apparently, the fish that escaped the other fish pen ended up in his own fish pen. Now, you might say, well, that's not fair. But how do you know which brand of fish there is? God's voice leads us to places of abundance. And it's not just... Material wealth, I think you all understand that, isn't it? Relationships, guidance, life change. That's the voice of God. And finally, number three, God's voice leads us to paths of righteousness. He leads us in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. If there's one thing I know about God... What is righteousness? It's the path of life, isn't it? I was reading Psalm 1 this morning. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. On his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water 
whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. Okay, I'm paraphrasing. Um, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know, as the classic song goes, I'm, you know, I'm a senior now, um, 62 years old, that's in Manila, in the Philippines. There's a song, a classic song by Led Zeppelin, Stairway to Heaven, okay? So most of you don't know that. And the song goes, there are two paths that you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the way, the road you're on, okay? No rockers here, are they? Okay. Um, you know, that's the deception of the enemy, isn't it? You can choose the path you're on, the path of life or the path of destruction. Brothers and sisters, the path of destruction. You know, Jesus said, wide is the path to destruction and many take it. Narrow is the path of life and not many people take it. I think you've lived long enough in this world to know what the path of life and destruction is. At the end of the day, you can't blame anyone. You know, you have freedom of choice. Everybody wants to do their own way, I think. You know, in the Philippines, karaoke is very important. Unfortunately, people have actually died because of one song, I Did It My Way by Frank Sinatra. I don't know why that song elicits so much. I don't understand. It's crazy. People insist on their own way. But God says there is the way to life. And brothers and sisters, in this church, the way of life is trumpeted day in and day out. You can choose that way of life. And that way of life is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It's the kingdom of God. And I want you to know as I close, this church and Christ and the Spirit of God is committed to you and me so that not only will we experience the path of life, we can help others. This world, I'm not trying to make any predictions. I've, I spoke with a global economist from the U.S. You know, who was in our country, and, and he has a phenomenal book. I mean, you know, I know something about the global economy just from my studies, but apparently, the, 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 what's unfolding, especially with the global monetary system, it's not, it's inevitable there's going to be a market crash of the money system, not the economy. That's a big difference. And God, he shared that with us, not because that we ought to be scared, but we ought to be prepared so that God can place you and me. It's like a Joseph moment, I told Pastor Philip. What's a Joseph moment? Remember when Joseph interpreted the dream of Pharaoh that was going to be seven years of famine and seven years, uh, seven years of plenty. And Pharaoh said, wow, that's an amazing interpretation. Who better to lead? What do we, ought, what do we, what do, we do? Well, save up the 20%. And he said, who better to do it than you? So from one day in the prison to the next day in the palace. And I believe more and more, we're going to see men and women of God being prepared by the Lord this place is a place of preparation. It's not just so you won't have problems. As, as weighty as the, seemingly the problems we face on a day-to-day -day are, brothers and sisters, you are being prepared with the Word of God, with the character of Christ, with the power of the Spirit 
to be Joseph's and Daniel's. You know, when finally when Joseph took over, he wasn't the one in command. He was second. And his father, Jacob finally died. His brothers thought, oh no, he's going to take revenge on us. Joseph's statement was, am I in the place of God? You intended it for evil, but God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. The Lord wants to save South Africa. The Lord wants to save the Philippines. The Lord wants to save the earth. And what turmoil we're experiencing now is the preparation to give the wisdom of God, the gospel, to a world that's in turmoil. Be prepared, brothers and sisters. Let the shepherd lead you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the the comfort that your word brings to us even now. Lord, I don't know what's going on in the lives of these precious sons and daughters of yours. But I can distinctly hear the voice of the shepherd saying, come follow me. This is the path I have for you. I believe the Lord wants to bring a restoration in your souls. If you've been in a place of saying, Lord, I... I don't know, it seems like I may have lost my way or I'm in confusion. Confusion is certainly the operative word in the times we're living in. It's like a return to Babel right now where the languages are being confused because the enemy doesn't want us to fulfill God's call but to be, to just do our own thing. Lord, thank you that you're tearing down the towers but you're allowing us to hear the clear voice of the shepherd. I just want to pray for you. If you're in a place of confusion, if I could say that, whether it's a lack of clarity on perhaps you're seeking direction on what the Lord would have you do. Maybe you're in a place of transition. or Maybe you've still been in pain by disappointments and frustration, relational or perhaps failures, maybe business or whatever. God wants to restore your soul by a greater clarity of hearing his voice. If that's you, would you just please raise your hand so I can pray for you? All right. Anybody else? I know several hands. All right. Lord, I pray. Lord, as my brothers and sisters have lifted up their hands, let the gentle whisper of your voice, Lord, let them know Lord, show them the enemy shouts, accuses, condemns. The shepherd's voice whispers, affirms, comforts. Lord, thank you that the answer may not come right now, but the assurance that you're speaking to them already dispels, Father. Just the bombardment of all these troubling thoughts. Father, just like Pharaoh was troubled, Lord, let the interpretation come in a dream, come in a vision, come through the word, come through counsel, come through the preaching. Wow. The gentle voice of the shepherd. Lord, you said, my sheep know my voice. 
And all that matters, Lord. In Jesus' name. And that concludes today's message. For more information, visit our website at everynationtwane.org forward slash moikluf. That's everynationtwane.org forward slash moikluf. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Till next time then. Yeah.